1: Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, we
2: are here for our guest segment. And you know, I, I have to start by giving you folks a little bit of honest, uh an honest confession here. I have been dealing with PTSD for about 20 years and it has almost destroyed my life on several occasions and uh, my marriage it's almost destroyed in my relationships and friendships and and, and all of that and uh, it's something I continue to struggle with and it it all goes back to uh, the days you know of, uh, those of you who have read my book where I planned out my own suicide because of the embezzlement that took place and I lost everything went bankrupt uh, my brother who embezzled from me who was my accountant and then I went through this five-year just death spiral, and they put me on a bunch of different medications. I remember they tested me early on for PTSD, and they came back and said that I, whatever the, the, the there was some kind of number system, I was the highest number on on that. <laughs> and basically, um, the people I worked with, they were helpful, but it was mostly about medicating me, and uh, there was some counseling. But they told me that I was going to be stuck with this for the rest of my life. And so other than learning kind of a new way of looking at my situation, um, I have I largely control it. However, it's always there. And uh, the nightmares are there. The the memories are there. And it's just uh, really a few a few inches away from me at any point in time, I and back there in that moment. And so I was listening to a podcast about PTSD during this coronavirus. I'm walking around my neighborhood uh, thinking I'm going to go crazy because of the shutdown. And I find this podcast about PTSD and I'm listening to this and I finally hear something that offers hope and makes sense. And I said to my producer, we've got to book these people to come on the radio show to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, joining us tonight, we've got with us uh, two guests, I'm told, from their organization. We've got Carrie Russo, who is the director of the First Orlando Counseling Center. And then also Jeff McLaughlin is with us. Jeff is uh, one of the counselors there. And also, he is the host of the Life After PTSD podcast. Hello, folks. Good to have you with us tonight. Can you hear me okay?
0: We can. All right, I can hear
2: you. All right, yeah. very good. Uh, do we have we have Jeff there also? Yes, yeah, I'm here. All right, good to have you with us, guys. Um, I don't know if you heard my introduction at all. Sometimes when they have you on hold, you don't get to hear everything. But uh, there, I'm having you on here for a very selfish reason um, because I'm a PTSD sufferer, and uh, I did not go to war. I just went through five years of hell when I lost everything. And ended up planning out my own suicide three times. And it was my own brother who embezzled all my money. And uh, this PTSD thing um, turned me from like a normal friendly guy into a really damaged person. And I was told actually that part of my brain uh, changed because of PTSD and that I'll always have it. I'll always have the nightmares, I'll always have the issues, I just need to learn how to control it, and that's what I've done. It's I'm carrying this 5,000-pound uh, piano on my back, and I just learned to deal with it, sometimes not so well. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to have you guys on tonight to uh, to share your information. I want to start by asking you, I'm not good at two-person interview, uh, two interviews, so you guys will have to jump in where you want to jump in and, and talk. But, but tell me, first of all, you don't call it PTSD. You only call it PTS. Tell us why that is. That's
0: a, that's a great, great question. Great question, Jim. And um, I, yeah, you'll have to probably interrupt me too, because I'm not good at doing, <laughs> we do fine. But um, yeah, but because post-traumatic stress, um, they've called it a disorder for years and disorder says it's something that you're going to have forever and post-traumatic stress is actually an injury so some people even call it post-PTSI but we say PTS it's post-traumatic stress it makes sense it's an injury it's a perfectly normal reaction your brain's perfectly normal reaction to an abnormal event and then abnormal event your brain said whoa I don't want to do this again and it got in hyperdrive and so um, I did. We I did hear your story when you were when we were on hold, and I sat here thinking, "Oh, wow! I can't wait to. We need to meet with you now. We need <laughs> yes. to actually. We need to just next, this week at some point. We need to get you in and 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 treat you because, um, and then then come back on the show in a little bit <laughs> because you'll have a different experience. I've been doing therapy for years. I and it's a totally different way of looking at something, and it's. And, and we've watched it. In fact, we've watched it over and over. Um, the, the healing story, it's your brain has an injury. And so, and, and it's not in one of the reasons we started, one of the reasons Jeff started the podcast is because of all the phases of PTSD. I love how you introduced it saying, Hey, I have PTSD, but I didn't go to war. I didn't, you know, deal with a school shooting. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have these things happen, but I lost my business and I lost my, you know, livelihood, and it was my family members that did it, or a family member. And that is absolutely traumatizing. And there are so many phases of PTSD that people just don't even realize that that's what it is. And, um, yeah, your brain just needs a different type of reset.
2: And you know what's, and- what's, what's interesting to me about the podcast? Uh, you know, Jeff in particular, Jeff, you, you have such a positive... Uh, spirit about you on the podcast. And I, I want to recommend that people go find the podcast. It, you can find it on whatever platform that you listen to. And I started just by going back to the first Episode and then I've listened to several episodes going forward, but there's a lot of stories shared by 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 people that were in the military and and what people don't understand about PTSD is it sounds like something out of a movie. It's like it's like it's like watching Rambo. It's like, okay, oh, PTSD. This guy's crazy. We better you know, we better, you know, keep our distance because he's a former Green Beret and he might, you know, take the whole town and blow it up. This is what people think. Think about PTSD. But what it really is for me, and it sounds like for a lot of your guests, Jeff, is that you can't, it's like your body goes into this mode like it was at the time you were surviving whatever that trauma was. And you can't turn that off. It makes no rational sense, but you get in this mode, whether it's a nightmare in the middle of the night or you're triggered by something, you're at the grocery store. And all of a sudden your body goes into this mode that you are back in that circumstance again and I swear to you folks if you've never dealt with this you feel exactly how you felt at that time and it can be completely inappropriate if you're in a grocery store or you're in your car and you're driving down the highway or you're you're with your family and you're triggered the it's completely inappropriate jeff but it's something it's the reality that people have to deal with that are going through this <laughs>
1: Yeah, Jim, it's exactly right. It, what's crazy is I personally am not a PTSD sufferer. I've never dealt with that. I have dealt with anxiety, uh, for a number of years though. And, uh, for those who have struggled with that, uh, you know, it's, it's that same sort of fight or flight response that you kind of get right there. And I can't imagine, you know, in my case, mine's pretty much generalized and it flares up from time to time. I'm just kind of a, you know, maybe a high strung guy here and there and, and whatever. But for these, these people that are suffering like yourself from PTSD, you know, they're dealing with things that, um, that are, that, that trigger in them and bring them back, like you said, to that original memory and, you know, causes them to go to a very, very dark place that they never asked to go to. And, you know, I think when, uh, if I can give you just a quick background of why we started doing the show, for example, you know, it started for me. I'm, I'm a marriage guy. I work with marriages. I coach marriages here in Orlando. And, um, you know, when, as I was getting better at, at what I did, you know, you start to realize how many people are carrying trauma. In their life, but I'm also the son of an Air Force pilot. Um, he was, you know, flying commercial airplanes by the time I was born. But two grandfathers in, in World War II, and you know, sort of that military background. And so I knew what PTSD was, at least in name, and I knew it was that thing that, you know, it's a it's a military thing, and it's really nothing you can, you know, cure. And just like you said, it turns somebody into Rambo. And then I started working with situations where there were traumas coming up, like say in these couples, and and I started to realize, man, I am I am powerless to help these people. And frankly, if we don't move this mountain here, you know, like it's we're almost just doing surface level work, um, really to no avail. And so Carrie and I have been friends for a number of years. She directs the counseling center here in Orlando, first Orlando Counseling. And so, you know, I was reaching out to her just going, Carrie, I need something here because I you know, I'm a guy that wants results. Um I wanna see people get help. I don't want to see them in perpetual care. And uh, fortunately for her, uh in, in the last several years, she's just done extensive training. You know, in this area and really the modalities and stuff that are being used now to, to work with PTSD has really, really changed and really advanced the more that we've come to understand the brain and how the brain works. And um, literally about 18 months ago or so, 19 months ago, I, uh, Carrie gives me a call and says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that kind of does a few things on the side as well. I do some media work and obviously podcasting. She said, hey, I need to uh, capture this training that we're doing. Uh, for trauma work and would you capture it on video and just bring your cameras in, do a couple cameras for me? And, uh, frankly, I was not excited about this at all. I was excited about, you know, get the paycheck for it. But other than that, it's like, man, you know, four or five days of a counselor training. Come on. I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather go take some NyQuil <laughs> and, and Hibernate for a week or something. <laughs> right, but, right. so, yeah, you know, so I show up and, and, and I saw, I saw something right before my, I mean, I was sending people to carry already and seeing good results with them. But this was yet another newer modality, and I saw a guy that was a 30-year-old Marine right before my very eyes in the course of about an hour of his first treatment session. He volunteered to be a demo in front of a bunch of clinicians, and I saw him go from a place where he recalled um, a trauma he had suffered five years earlier. He had been medically discharged, and uh, I saw him go from a place where he first started to tell the trauma before they worked with him in that in that hour long demo. And he was just a disaster. I mean, I'm talking he's 20 seconds into his story and he's losing his ever living mind. And then, uh, you know, about an hour later, he's telling his story with full clarity, right. And just completely, it's, it's not, it's never a happy memory, but he's not going into that adverse reaction. And I'm, I'm, I'm just watching something through a camera's eye that I'm going, this, is it possible? And I had the opportunity to spend some time with his family that week and kind of learn how little he was sleeping over the course of those five years. And, there are even times that, you know, he'd wake up just violently in the middle of the night. It wasn't it safe for his wife to be around. You know, again, I'm a marriage guy. I've two kids. I have five. And so just every heartstring in me is being, you know, tugged on. And so one of the days later in that training where I, I followed back up with him, I asked his wife, I said, hey, how did he sleep last night? Right? And uh, for a guy that had only slept about two and a half hours, maybe three hours max, you know, before having these horrible wake ups in the past five years, she said, well, he took a nap yesterday afternoon for about two hours. And then he slept like nine straight. And I'm going, nine straight? Going, and, and so in my mind, I'm getting like I, I sort of had this romantic thought. I'm going, oh, my gosh, we're he was from Massachusetts, by the way. I said, we're going to send this guy back to Massachusetts. And and wife is getting the husband that she's been missing for so long. And two little girls are getting dad back. Now, you want to talk about doing God's work? You know, that's yeah, that's, right that's and so,
2: incredible. And yeah. I, I have to tell you what, hap- what happened to me. So. I wrote a book about what happened to me, and I wrote the book in 2011, and it came out in 2012, and it became like a runaway bestseller. You know, this Christian financial guy, multimillionaire by thirty, bankrupt by forty. It's his own brother that embezzled the money. His own brother tries to set him up to go to prison. So, this story—it's an incredible story. It's—it's my true story. So, I get start getting invited on all these big radio shows and talk shows, and this one show comes on in the middle of the night, it's called Coast to Coast AM. They have 600 radio stations. And I'm now a regular, I'm now a regular guest on there. And every time I go on, I'm not kidding you, I get at least five to 10 emails from people telling me they were listening during the show, were planning to commit suicide at that moment. Heard my story of how I turned my life around and decided not to kill themselves because they themselves were going through a financial situation, so my story I I have found purpose in it and I recently uh, got with Audible.com and they uh, we decided to put together the the audio version of the book so I pull the book out. I haven't looked at it, even though I wrote it. I haven't looked at it in years. I do interviews on it, but I haven't read the book. So I'm reading the book for audible.com in the studio and I go into this, this uh, panic attack. I think I'm having a heart attack just from reading my Mm -hmm. own story from my book. And this is why I'm trying to convey to people, this is real. I mean, you might think this is something from the movies, but I am, I'm guaranteeing you, I am, I am someone, I'm averse to doctors. I'm averse to medication. I'm adverse to believing any of this, that a person can have psychological issues. This is real. I, I carry it with me every day. Mm -hmm. And, and, and like you said, sharing that story There's a lot of things I don't like to talk about, so sometimes people ask me about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'll do the interviews and kind of go into that mindset like, oh, I'm doing an interview, so I'll kind of share my story. But I generally don't like to talk about it, and I don't like to remember it. And uh, it it's a terrible thing to have to relive it. So let me throw it back to Carrie here. Carrie, these people that come to you that have these military situations, I mean, you're talking about people I've on some of your podcasts where they've seen, you know, their friends die. They've seen their friends lose limbs. They themselves have lost limbs. They have been okay. they have been in sometimes multiple uh, deployments to war zones. Um, that what I've gone through is nothing compared to that. How can somebody who's been through those horrible horrible things of war even seeing like little children blown up and things like this, how can they possibly find a peace to go forward? what type of system is there that that they can find a way of looking at that differently so that they can have peace? Uh, thank you thank you
0: Jim it, it is absolutely amazing our brains were just created to be so amazing and they want to heal so the reason why we're yes it's horrible when somebody has these horrifying things happen but it's also horrible when a child at four sees their parents yelling and screaming and divorced and then dad leaves and never comes back those are trauma as well but the brain decides i have to keep reacting and and it overreacts over and over. And like you said, all of a sudden you're out with your family and you have a trigger. It's like this is not helpful. And of course you don't want to share your story. And I'll tell you, Jim, what happened for me early, in, early, early in my career. I um, when I was I first working with teenagers, and I had some situ- horrible situations of sexual abuse. And people they used to tell us they need to tell their story over and over and over until basically until they get numb. And I said, this doesn't work for me. Like I cannot sit here with these children and, you know, young teenagers. And I was pretty young. I went straight from college to my masters. So here I was in my twenties and I'm thinking, this is horrible. I did not go to school to make people feel worse. I know they say it's going to get better, but it's not really getting a lot better for them. Um, you know, maybe a little bit, but not much. And so I just didn't do a trauma for a long time. I just did testing and a lot of other things. And then about, about 10 years ago, I realized that there's so many people with other symptoms that look like ADHD or, or other issues, and it's really trauma. It's really a trauma response. You know, they've had a traumatic event, and so I started studying and And so now what we use is there's lots of different, actually, things that we can use that are actually effective. When I say lots, there's quite a few memory reconsolidation techniques. Um, and what they do is Rather than going back, we don't have to talk about it. That's uh, I mean, the one one of the most beautiful things, and she's actually going to be in our podcast pretty soon, was somebody who um, she had been raped and she couldn't say the word, she couldn't say anything, and she somebody sent her to me and she said, look, she cannot talk about it. She she really doesn't have to say anything. I'm like, no, she doesn't say anything. Just follow my instructions and think about a few things, and and we really have them go back to the point in time. Right before this event happened, because we can always remember. Like I'm sure, Jim, that you can remember the moment before you realized it was your breath, and you realized it was happening. You know? Yeah, and I don't know your <laughs> whole story. The moment before so you, my you life kind of changed of
2: forever. People, yeah, I remember that right, moment. And, and a
0: lot of times, people will know. Well, and a lot of times, people will know. They often will remember the smell, or what they were wearing, or what, or where they were. You know, I I use the example often of we all know where we were. Um, when we found out about 9-11. So even if it wasn't a personal, we didn't lose anyone personally, we know where we were because it's a significant emotional event. And so we go back to that moment, and then just in your thoughts, we're not talking about it at all. Um, and you don't even, you don't have to relive it, but we walk you through a process so you're reconsolidating the memory, which is really what your brain wants to do. That's why your brain throws it up. You know, you're sleeping, and suddenly you're having a nightmare. Because your brain needs to go through and make sense of it and it can't and it doesn't make sense. And so it stops you and you get upset and, and you shut down, right? Or you yell and scream or somehow you don't go through the process of reconsolidating the memory in the right way. Um, our brains are so fascinating because memories, our memories change a little bit every time we pull it up. And if it's, if we're in a negative space, it changes a little bit negatively. If we're in a positive space, it changes a little bit positive. But we direct it so that it literally reconciles in a better way. Because right now, today, even if you were to tell a story, you're not there. Like, you're, you're not back with your brother. He's not doing that to you now. But it's just like a movie, you know, you, we go into a movie theater and we get completely involved in that movie, right? We, it's, it's, we're all different. I get really involved in a movie. <laughs> so, so I'm jumping and screaming and you know, when people are coming at me. And of course those other people sometimes don't. But when we're reliving things that have happened to us, whether it be something good like our first kiss or, you know, something that when our first time we held our baby, you, we can think of those as good, as good things. But when it's something negative, it's like your brain is, it's tr- your brain is trying to protect you from it happening again. So it's reminding you of anything that looks, smells, tastes, feels, acts like something that's anywhere similar to the trauma or the horror that you went through. So it's trying to protect you. So if you're able to have it see the trauma a little bit differently, like, oh, yes, this did, ha- did happen, but I can, I know when this is going to happen again. Or I, I know the triggers. I know what to look for. I don't have to be on hyper alert. And um, for military, often they don't want, initially they don't want to not be hypervigilant because they feel like it's protecting them. They feel like it's, uh, and one of the guys that we had that flew in from the Virgin Islands, um, he said, well, this keeps me safe. Like this is how nothing else is gonna happen. Right, he wants to. Be,
2: he wants to live like it. like the Rambo guy, where like there's move, yeah. you're, you're eating dinner and you see movement in the restaurant. You're like, okay, is that person going for a weapon? <laughs> no, they're going for a fork. It's not a weapon. Could be used as right. a weapon, but it's you know. And, but you're always on that, and that's tiring to live like that. And I know what that's like. And one of the things that you guys get absolutely. into is this whole fight uh, or flight thing. And I took basic psychology. I I took that in high school. I took basic psychology in college. And, you know, you hear fight or flight. Okay, that's interesting. But I know what that is now because when I'm triggered, it's either – Fight or it's flight. And I know exactly what those two words mean now, because like, I've been where it's like I tell my family I'm 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 disappearing. I'm just going to go to an island and I'm leaving everything. I don't even <laughs> I don't even want to pack a suitcase. Yeah. I just want to be gone that I've been there and I've also been on the fight side, too. I'm a third degree black belt in the martial arts. And the reason I study the martial arts and I've gone so far with it, I actually teach the martial arts now is to control that side of me that I, I'm able to control myself, that I don't ever lose my, my temper in that way. Um, and that's one of the ways I found peace is through practicing the martial arts. But either one of you talk about that fight or flight because that is what happens. And if you live your life every day that you're going into fight or flight, you can't live a normal life in either of those modes.
1: It, it's it. people are not doing what they're meant to do. That's really what it comes down to, Jim. I mean, we're, you know, think about uh, of all the faces of PTSD that, that we, we deal with. I mean, you've got military guys that, that want to be heroes and are no longer able to, to be that when they're dealing with this. You've got first responders and police officers that, you know, have that deep sense of duty that want to take care of their communities and, and are, are not able to do that. You've got, you know, you've got kids that have bright futures ahead of them. That uh, I mean, I'll never forget this girl that we had on our, our show early on who was uh, – she's down in South Florida as a Parkland survivor that couldn't even go to Disney with her family without literally losing her mind when the fireworks go off. And she was one of these kids that couldn't wait to – I think she's going to be at UCF next year and wants to have a um, a job at Disney working there. She's doing great now, but lost that. You know, moms who, who are disconnected from, from the babies that they just birthed, that they carried and, and nurtured for nine months because there was a traumatic birth. Incidents, and they have no idea what's going on, you know, with them. Those who have witnessed, tr- you know, tragic events, sexual abuse, of course. I mean, imagine that one, and what it does for, you know, marital intimacy and everything, and that that kind of stuff. Bullying, kids that suffered from that phobia-related thing. Um, tomorrow's episode, we've got a COVID-19 survivor. uh Actually, his wife that's that's talking about. You know, he almost died in in a was in a coma for a couple of weeks and uh, barely escaped death and everything. These are all the real situations of people that you know alter their lives, and the message and the narrative for for so long has been that this is a forever altering of your life, and this is your new normal. And really what we advocate on our show and really in what we do is, no, there is, you know, now knowing what we know, there's a new normal possible of your of your deciding. And, and Jim, we don't want to sound cavalier in this. We don't want to sound like we're snake oil salesmen and we're just standing up and, you know, promising miracles and everything. There is, there is some hard work that goes into this. But one of my favorite parts of it is, unlike many of the modalities out there that have been used for trauma forever, there isn't re-exposure. And there's a high degree of success that is evidence-based and everything. And so, you know, probably north of 90%, according to the best studies on these memory reconsolidation techniques, show that people can clear these specific traumas and hold these things off for at least a year. And that's just a powerful, powerful thing to be able to give to people. And so we just get to, to kind of tell stories and maybe hold space Um for the many who are out there who are listening, they're going, man, I didn't even know that was possible, and now, now if that person can do it, maybe that can be my story as well. And so you wouldn't believe the amount of people that you know that have reached out to us, um, you know, from you to to many others. Well, I've uh, che- you, know, you know I I,
2: I I checked you guys out online, and and everybody's, I mean, all five star reviews, and uh, you know, I was thinking, okay. What are the? What is this like? Like, is this part of Tony Robbins? Did he change his? Is this like a Tony Robbins <laughs> seminar? You know, because I, you know, I I know Tony Robbins, and and I he was a client at one time years ago, but and 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 he's a great guy, and but motivational is good but it's it's not going to deal with something like this just like waking up having a positive attitude because it's not a conscious choice to deal with PTSD it is not like you decide to be triggered and then go down this dark this dark path T- right. tell us tell us what the VA does because i was listening to episode 2 yeah again of your show and I heard this just incredibly horrifying story of this guy who you guys were able to help him but he was seeing a counselor like once every month and they had to cancel him and he couldn't get another appointment for months later and he would come in and he said a lot of his appointments was that the counselor would tell him how terrible it was to work for the VA and he says in the podcast <laughs> whose counseling session is this you know and he would get 15 minutes and like a third of it was the guy saying how bad it was to work for the VA, and that, and so these these veterans, this is the kind of help that they they don't get any help. So what are they what do they end up doing? Street drugs, alcohol? Uh, are they put on heavy uh, sedation? I mean, T- what happens to them?
0: Well, yeah, well, and, and and committing suicide. You know how many of them committed suicide in, in the in the parking lot of the VA in the last few years. So I mean, one thing I'll say is, um, you know, I, I do have some friends that work for the VA, and I do think the VA, the people that work there, many of them are are doing the best they can. Many of them, not all of them, are doing the best they can with the resources they have, but they really just don't have the resources. They don't realize, they don't, they don't know how to do a lot of these um, new, their newer techniques. And, and, and I'll tell you, when I was first introduced to the newer technique, I was like, I, this is, you gotta be kidding me. I am not gonna go and tell somebody to, you know, think about something positive. And it's not just positive, but, you know, <laughs> to, to imagine this this different way or, or just, like, it sounds crazy when I first heard about it because it's really hard to explain until you've experienced it. But one of the things, you know, so with the VA, they're doing a lot of prolonged exposure is one of the things they're doing. Um, and then they, which, so, you know, they'll have to smell burnt hair or burnt skin and they'll have to, um, listen to taps. Go home and listen to taps until
2: you can listen to it. I, I, like I heard that on that on anyone. episode two. Listen really? to listen to taps. I'm a trumpet player. I, mean, I was a professional trumpet player. There is nothing more sad than playing or hearing taps. How in the world <laughs> that could help anyone? I, I have no idea how that could possibly well, help. any. Where, where does this kind of, this this isn't even like standard psychological protocol. Where do they come up with this stuff well,
1: from?
0: Well, there, there is, well there there I think like it, to it is. It. There's, there's research. So so there is research behind prolonged exposure because you know, they are trying to find something. And, it, and I think, of, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's like 35% that, that sticks with it. Because it's difficult. It's really, really hard therapy, right? So you're already feeling horrible. and Now you're going to go in and feel worse. And, um, and other 35%, I think it's maybe 30% or less that actually do have some improvement. Um, which to me, I thought you could be really desperate to stick with something that has that kind of, um, you know, results. But with, with ours, it, it's, it's not like that. Like I started to say about the girl that has, um, that has that was raped and she came in and could not speak at all you know her full body when I asked her I said one of the things I say is what sensations are you having just you know do you have tingling is your chest still tight stomach and she looked at me you know nod kind of like all of the above okay so we go through the process and what we're doing is we're attaching those sensations to the event and then realizing the event's not happening um we can calm those sensations. We have a process that we use, and you know, it works with. Honestly, at this point, I think I'm what ninety-eight percent. I do have, you know, some people I'm still working with. Um, I don't know anybody who's walked away yet. Not helped um, at all. But if we can just change it until so we match the sensations, you know, how they're feeling, and with, and then change the, kind of change the memory. You're not changing it. So you're putting it in the right place in the brain so that it doesn't think that it's about to happen. You know, it's not right there. The, the, it's, the bear is not about to attack you right now. It happened in the past. And so you don't have to have those flood of emotions. One of the things you said was, um, it's not a choice. You know, you don't choose to have this, to feel these feelings. And you're right because it's your unconscious. Your unconscious says react. And, um, you know, once we can calm that, so everything changes, and it is amazing. People walk out and they're like, "Wow, I didn't know I could feel like
2: this." And let me, and me let me, let me ask you. Uh, can I? I'll throw this over to Jeff. What about med- What about medications? They put me on medications for about five years, and I, I, I kind of. This is what happened to me. I reached the point where I decided I'm not going to live like this anymore because I, I called it being zombified. Like, like I I wouldn't laugh. I wouldn't cry. I I was I was not in trouble with anybody. Like every one of my family was good with me. But I was like, like, you know, grandpa sitting in the corner who was I was alive. I was breathing. (laughs) But there was I wasn't creating any problems or getting excited about anything. But I was I felt like I was dead. And i I just couldn't stand those medications. Is, are there medications that you would combine this type of therapy with, or is the idea to try and do this without having a lot of medications?
1: So So, Jim, to kind of answer that, let me step out here and just say that I, I can relate to that as again, as an anxiety struggler. I don't take anything anymore. But there was a period of time where, you know, I was, I was taking a drug from the family of the SSRI drugs. If anybody knows that, it's serotonin uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, it's really what they use for depression and anxiety. And uh, and I know that feeling. I know what it's like to just, you know, when you get enough of that in your system, you just feel numb. It has a lot of side effects and everything. If I could real quick just go back to um, prolonged exposure, that's the best analogy that I can think of to describe prolonged exposure for somebody. Somebody's going to take those drugs. Because it's, it's gonna, it's gonna curb the highs and, you know, the high highs and the low lows. Now, they don't want to curb necessarily the high highs. They'd like to keep those if they could, but it's gonna be the low lows that they're gonna pull themselves out of. And, and fine, that, that may work, but at what cost? You know, and I would say at what cost is, is we've got Jim sitting in a corner, kind of zombified, as you said, and, uh, and the same thing kind of happens with prolonged exposure. And this is why some people will do this, and it's kind of been the, you know, the standard for a long time is because, you know, the longer somebody is getting exposed or re-exposed to a memory, it's sort of numbing them out. And so, okay, great. So now they're not losing their ever-loving mind when they're thinking about the one memory, but we still lost the personality of that person. And I think that that's the key right there. And so, you know, to answer your question on the medication piece, I mean, that's that's the world of psychiatry. It's certainly the world of medicine. And, you know, far be it from us to, to tiptoe into that world. We always tell people that, um, I know Carrie has worked with lots of of military guys before that, you know, they start to feel so great. And they're like, man, I'm going to jump off.
2: Nope. Did I lose you?
0: Uh, I'm still here. I don't know what happened to him. I I, hear me.
2: Okay. Well, maybe. Maybe he'll dial back in, but, but he was saying about the med. Oh, there he goes. Okay. You dropped out there for a second. And you you were saying, you were saying right, right at the point where you dropped out, you were saying that some people will say, I'll go off my medications. I'm feeling so good. And obviously we don't want people to do that unless they check with their MD to say, look, should I, can I be taken off? They had to take me off like gradually. They were like, no, no. Okay. If you're coming off of this, You've got to take like two months to come off of it. with that that confirmed to me I didn't wanna be on it. If I'm on something that I can't get <laughs> off of for two months and I've gotta take baby steps to get off of it, that that made me feel even even more so that I wanted to do that. So if you're listening live tonight, or you're listening on our podcast, which goes out to thousands of of uh, people tomorrow morning, don't just go off your meds, no matter what. Please, you know, go go talk to your doctor. Even if this is, you know, you're finding some good information, or we don't want anybody to ever do that. Um, but let me let me kind of shift gears, and and if you, I know it's hard to describe this because it's not. It's it's like something from what I understand from your podcast that you have to experience. But can you kind of share the difference between the cognitive therapy and the reconstructive memory therapy? Like in my case, when I went through cognitive therapy, which actually did help me a great deal because it it helped me to – look at things differently. So understanding that this wasn't my fault, that I was a victim, that me going through bankruptcy and and coming out the other side of it, these were all victories that I could be proud of myself instead of being ashamed of myself. And so cognitive helped me to look at my story in a different way. And even I got to the point where I could write a book about it and be proud that this happened to me. And then I made it through it and I could kind of embrace it in that way. But But cognitive doesn't always work for everybody. And it, it's not a 100% answer in my own case. It, it helped, but it's not an ultimate solution. Tell us the difference between the cognitive uh, therapy and, and the reconstruction of the memories.
0: Yeah, so, Jim, so cognitive therapy, and that's a kind of tragi- more of a traditional therapy that we learned, and, and it, is, it is very helpful and it can be very, very helpful. Um, we, and there's even, there are some cognitive pieces to what we do, but rather than just changing the story, like we, cause cognitive therapy, you talk about, okay, so I can think about, you can choose to try to think about the good that came out of it. Like, it's amazing that you, you shared the story about people not taking their lives because, because they, you, you shared your story, right? So it was really powerful. So, you know, okay, it was horrible. I went through this, but I, I can see there's good things from it. Um, but but you can still have those feelings and, and it's kind of, you're talking to yourself. Not all the time. I don't mean you're talking to yourself, but I mean you're having to um, convince yourself about things with cognitive therapy. You know, it's, it's like a, a good spin on the, the story. A little bit. That's it. It's like,
2: yeah, the argument that's going on in your head. What you got the voice saying, you loser, this happened to you. And then the other voice is like, wait a minute. He's not a loser. He actually came through this. And then it's like, which one of those voices happens to be louder on a given day? Right.
0: Exactly. And so what happens with, but what, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the cognitive behavioral. And, And there's some really, really good pieces to that. So I'm not here to knock it. I still use some of that. However, with the memory reconsolidation, which seems like accelerated resolution therapy is one of the ones. ARCH is the acronym. Um, EMDR is, is one. EMDR is a, a little bit longer. takes longer. But um, accelerated resolution therapy, um, RTM is another one. Um, funny, you mentioned Tony Robbins. There is a he, – he's based in NLP, Neurolinguistic Programming. And there is a portion of his – Some I don't know that he does it, but – Trauma focused NLP, which, which does do an okay job for some people. Um, because what it does is it, instead of changing, um, just the story, so you have to hear which one's louder, it's the story becomes that one that you wanted to hear. It's like it, you, you don't, in fact, sometimes, um, you, you have a moment. I've had, I worked with a 97 year old World War II veteran who is just a, such a delight. And he looked at me when we finished, and he said, in fact, Jeff was there videoing it. And he said, um, oh, I mean, he couldn't tell his story. He couldn't talk about it. He felt it was, you know, why did he live? You know, survivor's guilt. He knew logically why he lived. He knew he had had a good life and had kids. And so he could logically, so cognitive behaviorally, like therapy, he could tell himself the right story. But as he was retelling the story after the therapy, he stopped in the middle and kind of looked at us and said, oh this is this is good. It happened to me. But I'm like, he wasn't having to go back and forth. It literally changes the way the brain interacts with the information. So rather than going back and forth, it's, it's put away in the back, the right part of your brain and the layman's term, so that it isn't right there, which side do I have to choose to think. And um, so it just, it changes at the unconscious level. And that's that, to me, that's what the, where the power is. You're changing it unconsciously so that the new story, it just becomes like, oh, this is absolutely how I feel. And people sometimes, I have I've had people say, well, if, if it stays like this, if I still feel like this, um, you know, it, this will be a really good therapy. And we check back in, we talk to them, we, um, and they're doing well, so.
2: Yeah this uh, is a I this is, is remarkable to me I want to
0: understand a little bit
2: it's, it's remarkable because I'm hearing on your podcast stories of people that couldn't keep a regular job, then they were able to go into the workplace and keep a regular job. Well, people listening tonight may not really realize what the consequences of this are. It, it, you, you're talking about broken marriages. You're talking about destroyed relationships with, with family members. You're talking about not being able to keep a job. You're talking about people becoming abused to, uh, as, uh, addicted to street drugs and dealing with that, um, your the the path. If you don't get off this path, it, it's a very it's a very dark ending. Is it is it not, Jeff?
1: It, it's a very dark ending. And just think about the times that we're living in right now. Think about you know, regardless of where people stand on everything that's going on with, with COVID nineteen and everything, there's there are going to be some severely traumatized uh, first responders and certainly healthcare workers. That have been in some of these hot zones all across the world and everything. And so that's the crazy thing, man. Trauma happens. It's happened already. It's happened and it's still happening, you know, all around the world and these many different cases kind of emerge and just think about, I mean, you know, even from a financial perspective, think about the, the, the cost of PTSD and the cost of trauma to employers, to the workforce, to families, to governments and everything. I mean, this is just a massive, massive. Massive problem, and you know, Jim. Again, like I was you just not long ago. Going, this is, this is military, right? This is like one of those you know things. And yet, you know, you went through your story and you had your eyes opened. And I, you know, I just I, I met people. I I heard the anecdotes, heard the stories, and and got to know you know the problems that were out there and everything. And again, when you work in this, you know, for so long, and you start to identify the commonalities, you go, my gosh, who isn't carrying something? You know, who isn't carrying something that's really robbing from their potential and robbing from, you know, who they're meant to be? It's, it's, it's an astounding issue. It is, you know, perhaps one of the greatest issues of our day that we must tackle. And, um, you know, we're just trying to do what we can on the, on the front lines to get the stories out and just say what is possible.
2: Yeah. Fantastic information. And we want to leave people tonight with a lot of good resources. So I'm going to tell them that your website is first. Orlando and it's the word first. It's not the number one in ST it's first F I R S T Orlando counseling.com first Orlando counseling.com. The podcast is life after PTSD. And I'm sure that that's on, am I right? It's on iTunes. It's on Google play. It's probably everywhere, everywhere for people to find that.
1: Spotify, Pandora. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then yeah, it's all major platforms.
2: <laughs> what, what else do you have to offer people? listening from all over the world we've got people i mean literally all over the world that listen to us live as well as on the replays and on the podcast uh that any books any resources do you have a youtube channel um, what if they don't if they don't live in the area of of Florida do, I mean do people travel here to to come to your counseling I imagine they do <laughs>
0: well we had trained we had trained some other counselors so that's one thing we definitely trained some other counselors we have a, um, we have someone who works with us who's up in Canada as well, who actually, um, it was somebody who trained me in part of, part of this. And, um, so there's some other places that other people that we can refer people to. We have somebody in North Carolina and lots of, there are some other places. We have done quite a bit of work, um, over, actually over Zoom. We've even done, um, some sessions and helped people that way as well. And, um, and, you know, honestly, the word, I'll tell you, we've been working with the mayor of Coral Springs. I just want to, and he was the mayor during the Marjorie Summons, you know, the shooting, the school shooting. And his own mother committed suicide when he was 23 years old. And then when the two students a year after the uh, shooting committed suicide a week apart from each other, um, he really ramped up a suicide awareness and this mental health awareness. And so that is a conversation. It's once a month. It's on Wednesdays. And um, he is, he's just a really advocate for just changing, you know, I think hope is the first thing people need, hope that, you know, what he saw is, you know, after this happened to his mother, he was like, we have to talk, we have to start talking about this. I didn't know my mom was struggling and these kids who killed, who committed suicide, um, one of them was going to be really close friends with his father and they didn't know their kids were struggling because it's not okay in our communities to talk about it. You know, it's, mental health is such a stigma. And, Jim, I just commend you so much for sharing your story and talking about what you've dealt with because so many people, as you know, as, as you know, because that's what, the shame of, of dealing with something that, you know, finances and mental health. My husband is a financial planner, and we laugh because we say, how did we get in two different um, lines of work that, Nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> you know, people who have financial issues and people who have mental health issues, they don't want to talk about it. And um but everybody has them at some point. And right. if we can change the the story, so the first thing is let's just be honest and all admit we all have something we're dealing with. And mental health mental wellness is just a part of good health. You know, and right now with this lockdown, it doesn't matter how healthy mentally you were, um you, you, it's you. You've been affected, or where, how much you believe, or don't believe, or where you are, it's affecting you some way. It's the entire world. This is the first time in the history of, however long, that, well, it's the first time ever that we've had the internet, and and the whole world is dealing with a, quote unquote trauma, whatever it is. You know, people well, are. And I read, I read
2: the articles. All the statistics are not out yet, but according to what I've been reading. Uh, We've got uh, just a spike in suicides, a spike in domestic violence, a spike in child abuse. And, you know, I myself, um, you know, during all this, even though, you know, during part of it where it's like everything's really, really shut down. I mean, I could still go running in the neighborhood or ride my bicycle or go do my workouts in the backyard. But I just started feeling kind of this. Uh, like a suffocation feeling and I'm sure that I'm not the only one and and a lot of families I mean we love our families but part of the reason we love them is we're not with them 24 hours a day (laughs) and I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why my family loves me is that they typically only see me a few hours in a day and now all of a sudden all these families are 24 7 together in a house and and you know that's 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 a stressor right there Um, and so and we don't know yet you know when this is going to be over and New York is doing one thing and California is doing another thing. So I think it's perfect timing that we did this. And folks, um, as we close it out, uh, Jeff, I know you're sort of the, the spokesperson. I'll throw it to you. And uh, any final thoughts or, or uh, you know, information you want to give out that, that I didn't cover? FirstOrlandoCounseling.com, the, the podcast, uh, Life After PTSD, um, anything else uh, that you want to share with our folks to, as far as how to get in touch with you or get more information?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we look, we're doing the best that we can just to, you know, accommodate people that are, I mean, what we do with life after PTSD is really on the side and it's so much connected to uh, our main lines of work and everything. But, you know, we just, uh, we, we appreciate champions like you who get out there and say, you know, I'll, I'll take this message. I've heard this, this message and I'll leverage my platform and take it further. And I, I really feel like, like we're on a mission to tip the scales, right? As the mayor of Pearl Springs is doing really to eliminate that stigma of getting mental um health treatment and everything. We just want to tip the scales and make this issue mainstream and really tell what is possible. And you can't even imagine sometimes the bureaucracy that you face with that, is, you know, that's out there. And, and, um, you know, so we're really doing this grassroots. So, anybody that's listening out there, you know, we'd love to hear stories, love to have people reach out. But, you know, maybe just share this uh, this episode of your show, Jim. I mean, that may be a great, I'm just kind of convinced that these sort of divine connections happen here and there and somebody hears the message and they reach out and you know, uh, next thing we know, we're changing the world. I don't know. You know, maybe that's just the hopeless romantic in me or something. Uh, No,
2: I mean, uh, I think think you're, I I think you're right. And I, I, I think I found your podcast for a reason. And I, I uh, told my wife about it and she's listening to the episodes where it affects the spouse and then she's coming back to me saying, yeah, this is exactly how I feel when you go crazy. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, you know, I, I think, I think it was all meant to be right. I'm sorry, Carrie, did well, Jim, you have a, can, a final thought? Say,
0: yeah, if I, if I can just say one thing, two things, just real quick. Number one, Jim, I, I would love to work with you at, and, and, and be able to, for you to tell your story of how, it, how you tell, cause, cause we're not just, we're not just telling stories here and there. I mean, we, we, our goal is to get PTSD, your deal with people like you who, who have been having it and you do have a platform. You can say, Hey, this changed me and your kids and your, can say, oh, yeah, he's not reacting. Anymore. Number one. <laughs> and number two, if, yeah, if he doesn't, if, if you don't think PTSD, um, you know, some people hear PTSD and they say, oh, that, that, that doesn't that impact me. If you look at the economic impact, and it's what you were talking about, the economic impact of PTSD on companies and organizations, on just our society as a whole, it, I promise every single person is affected. It's like... And I don't have the numbers. We have a good friend that runs them down really fast. But but if you can think of a simple thing like a back injury at a Walmart costs them $60,000 for that person for treatment, sometimes for mental health that they need, okay? PTSD, you take somebody out of their career, like a first responder, and put them in therapy. And now sometimes you have to go train somebody else. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then that person goes on disability
2: income, which is costing... You know, I mean, and and it's horrible that people are disabled, that they some people can't work because of PTSD, and and that's horrible. But that person is now getting. On, a, they're getting paid to not work, and so they're not able to contribute, which makes them feel terrible. It's a burden on the taxpayers, and um, it makes them probably feel, you know, not good about themselves either. And like you said, replacing that person then in the workplace. And you know, I, I close it out with this question that I'll throw out to both of you. I'm listening to you tonight, and I'm saying to myself, how many people are listening to us live right now are li- going to listen to this podcast? who are stuck because of PTSD, like like you have reached a point in your mm-hmm. life where where you just stopped. You can't you, you just completely stopped. It could have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You have completely frozen yourself in time and to be released from whatever that thing is that's holding you back to be able to move forward with your life, whatever that means, going back to school, writing a book, getting a new career, um, you know, moving on with a relationship, a, a marriage relationship, uh, rebuilding family relationships, um, you know uh, get, growing your your faith, uh, you know getting back involved with with a Christian uh, uh, a church or or a, or a small group. So many people have put their lives on hold because of an issue like this. Don't you feel that way that that this is really like a chance a second chance to live again for, for a lot of people?
0: absolutely it is it it really is and to watch you know my kids get so tired of sometimes of hearing the stories um because of course when people can tell them i don't tell them if i'm not allowed to but when we share them on the podcast um but you know it's 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 just amazing you know when people get their lives back that they haven't had and they're not struggling anymore or not now let me say when somebody has ptsd they were a person before that right and then they developed other habits, so. Be clear with PTSD. I'm not saying there's not other things they still have to have to work on. Like you know, sometimes people, sometimes we help people, and and um, we've had families say, you know what? Um We kind of like them on medication, not talking in the <laughs> corner because they they were kind of you know, can you work with them on other things? Yeah, but you no, know, normally it's just yeah, you get your life back, and that's that's what we want—a reset and a, re- a a chance at not having your unconscious control you in a way that's not that doesn't serve you.
1: Very good and and so so and if good I could add, Go ahead Jeff I was going to say, you know, Carrie and I, I will confess, because we work so closely together, probably text each other like middle school girls, no disrespect to middle school girls. But but in the more serious text that we send to each other, you know, it's the things that break our heart. You know, I'm just thinking of of Lorna Breen, who was the ER doctor up in New York City Mm. that committed suicide. Just a couple of weeks ago from the work that she was doing there, you know, know, and we see these, the military ones. I, I feel like every single time these things happen, they make news. You know, we're sending those to each other and it's like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing. So if there's a message to somebody that's listening out there, you know, we're trying to hold space for you, right? Hold on, right? There is hope. I don't want to inspire false hope, but at the same time, you know, if anything, there's 80 something, 85 and whatever, however many episodes we've done of life After PTSD that I, I would hope could serve as proof to people that, Hey, this could be your story as well. Right? So don't give up just yet. And that's, that's the message we're trying to communicate as we, you know, as we take our message to even higher level.
2: Very good. Thank you guys so much for being with us. God bless. And uh, I'll take you up on that. Uh, uh, maybe at least uh, have, a, have a quick lunch with you or something next time I'm over in the Orlando area. I live uh, in Palm Coast, so I'm just uh, about an hour and a half away. My son lives in Orlando, so I, I'm i in Orlando all the time. Used to live in Orlando, but now I'm up uh, here by the beach. But uh, so good to have you with us tonight. Uh, great, great service that you're doing. And we want to recommend that people check out the, the uh, website. First, Orlando Counseling com. And then, of course, the podcast Life After PTSD. Carrie Russo and Jeff McLaughlin, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you, Jim. God uh, bless. I meet you soon.
2: Yes, I'd love to. Thank okay. you. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed that tonight. Um, and I don't necessarily always get super personal, um, but it is my story and I wanted to come out with that tonight, and maybe I've never shared as much about that as I did tonight. I know I've talked in a lot of detail when I was on Coast to Coast AM, maybe not as much on this show, but if you're listening tonight and you're feeling hopeless and you're feeling like, you know, you can't move forward because of a situation like this, um, you know, I don't know what the cost is of working with these folks, but I I certainly would, would recommend at a minimum uh, checking out their podcast, which has been a real encouragement to me and their website, first Orlando counseling.com. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.